Good morning and welcome to Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. At Dismantle Racism Show, we really want to educate you and we want to help you eradicate dismantling racism. We really want to create a world where racial equity exists for everyone. Today on our show, we're going to be talking about facing workplace racism as a woman. And I want to take just a few moments before we engage in our conversation, as always, to center us and to ground us in this dynamic conversation that we'll be having today. So if you can, if you can close your eyes, if you can plant your feet on solid ground or on the floor, invite you to take a deep breath in, just finding your breath, being in tune with that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and with your sacred intelligence. Your sacred intelligence is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. So just breathe in the knowledge that these choices manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. As you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out, acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin our show. As I said before, we're going to be talking about facing workplace racism as a woman. And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper into the conversations that we've had on some shows around the insidious nature or patriarchy and white supremacy, but looking at those two things together. And we know that white women make a fraction of what, uh, of what white men make in terms of dollars, but non-white women make even less. Not only does a woman of color get compensated at a, a, an appallingly less amount than their white counterparts, her on the job, there's so much discrimination that's faced. And some of it is microaggression, and some of it might be macroaggressions. And I think the difficulty is, is that when we don't recognize the microaggressions, when we can discount what someone says, thinks, or feels, and say, that's just you, without understanding how our behavior, how the norms, how the culture is set up in such a way that women of color do not feel safe or secure in their environments. Well, today we are going to be talking about that. And we're going to be talking with my guest today, who is Emily Williams. She's a strategist specializing in reinventing organizational structures so that they model racial and gender equity. So whether it's improving DEI systems or coaching women of color to powerfully navigate microaggressions, Emily works collaboratively to create psychological safe spaces in uh, a global organizations. She's led the development of diversity policies on national and global stages. She has done work in more than 20 countries. She founded Forever, Forward Ever Global, LLC, after a 15-year career in social sector. So I'm delighted to have her with me today. She will tell us a little bit more about the work that she does. And so Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. 
So let's get to it, Emily. I want to just ask you, because this work of racial equity is really, really difficult work. And I want to know what it is that grounds you in this work. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's such a great question. Um, Well, I would say purpose. Um, So um, I went through this kind of experience of working in a very toxic um, environment for several years. At the same time that I was working in that toxic environment, I was working with women around the world to develop workplace policies against gender-based violence, sexual harassment. We also were developing a global policy against gender-based violence and workplace harassment. Um, And I have been on a five-country tour um, giving trainings, strategy sessions, developing policies. And when I got back to my office in DC, I realized I'm experiencing some of the very same things that I encourage women around the world to speak up about and to propose policy about, right? Mm -hmm. And so at that point I said, no, I cannot let this slide. I have to take a stand. I have to do so for myself. I have to do so for the others who are also in this environment experiencing harm. And I have to do so for those who will come after me. Hmm. So, so I want to ask you though, and I want to talk a little bit more about what that looked like for you, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, we all can say we have a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. We all can start out and we're really excited about this work we're doing, or we really say, no, I have to do this. We may not be, we may not always be excited. You know, some of us go, go into it and we're going, wait, is this what you're really calling me to? But like, what is the thing that keeps you sane in the in this work? Do you have a routine that you do um, that just really says, this is my foundation that helps keep me having good boundaries, that helps me, I know for me, I have a sacred source. So that's the thing that I meditate and pray and do all of those things, uh, make sure I'm taking care of myself. I always like to ask what keeps you grounded and what you do in that way, because it's important for the listening audience to know that we have to take care of ourselves in this process. So do you have something that, you know, your purpose is what drives you, but do you, what do you have that keeps you saying, okay, just do this one more day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That keeps me coming back. Um, Well, I would definitely say my spiritual practices um, in two are are staples for me. So one, I attend my um, spiritual center every Sunday um, and that's a non-negotiable for me. And I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, um, they were able to, you know, transition to online so I can stream them from anywhere. Um, And then the second is really practicing Kundalini yoga. And kundalini yoga for me is um, that balance between, yes, physical rigor um, and benefits for my body, but also that spiritual aspect um, and a real emphasis on meditation throughout um, the practice that really does help to keep me grounded. It helps me stay grounded in my vision. It helps me check in with myself. How am I doing? Do I need more rest? Do I need different forms of sustenance? and it also just keeps me, you know, connected with, um, you know, my higher power, right? Yeah. Both the yeah. Kundalini yoga and then also attending my spiritual center. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that for me are non-negotiables and definitely um, sustain me and allow me to keep coming back, but to come back in a way that um, doesn't diminish my own well-being, my own health, my own, yeah. you know, sanity for that matter, because we can work ourselves um, to the point where we're no longer seeing things clearly. So, yes. And I, and I love, I'm so glad that you're actually offering both of those things because it's important for folks to understand that if you're giving, giving, giving all of the time, you actually are pouring out of your cup and you have nothing left to give. And so I see these practices, which is why I ask my guests these questions, that these are the ways in which we keep refilling our cup so that it becomes a reservoir from which we're giving from the reservoir. We aren't giving from the emptiness of it. So thank you for sharing that because um, particularly with the yoga 
uh, maybe you're inspiring me here to to go out and do a little bit uh, more in terms of yoga. But so now let's go back then mm-hmm. to your purpose and to this mm-hmm. calling for you to do this work and and this shift that you understood when you came back. Tell me what that process was like when you said, I'm going to do this. What was the action that you took to say, I can't do this anymore because I'm experiencing this? What was the bold step? That mm-hmm. Was- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it was really an internal shift. You know, I think so oftentimes we're in these organizations, we're in these workplaces where, you know, there's always this kind of emphasis on giving people the benefit of the doubt, right? Focus on the intention, not the impact. Well, maybe that person didn't mean that. Well, I had been hearing that. Um, and, you know, after having been on that five country tour, I understood what gender-based violence and harassment in the world of work was, I understood it differently, right? I had learned from the women who I was working with. I had seen multiple examples of the actual harm being caused and then also the resistance coming from within individual workplaces. And so when I got back to my office, you know, I realized this is not a coincidental series of events, (laughs) right? That just so happened to have a negative impact on me. And um, I just decided after I'd had a call with someone who at the time I had considered a mentor um, and the advice that I had received from him actually did not align with my experience at all. Mm. And so it was in that moment where I said, no, like Mm. this is not okay. Mm. And, you know, what I said to myself in that moment, because this happens all the time, right? women of color get pushed out of their workplaces, right? And we can get into that a little bit more. But in that moment, I said, absolutely not. I will move on from this place on my own terms. And I will will continue to raise, um, you know, um, the experiences, the harmful experiences that, you know, I was incurring, but also just the harmful and toxic elements within the organization. I made it, um, you know, I resolved to myself that I would lead that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I did so with others, right? I think um, that was one of the great things is that other people, other people of color, other women of color who are experiencing similar things also got on board, right? Mm-hmm. So we were really able to, um, you know, take action in ways that made a difference, right? Right. Right. And so, so there's like three things that I heard in, in what you were saying. One, the internal shift that we all must do whenever we're going to engage in this work is to decide first, that's the decision that we have to decide that we're going to do something. And then we internally do the work that we need to do in order to prepare us to begin doing this work. And then uh, this intention versus impact. I really want to dig into that a a little bit when we come back, because, you know, racism does not require uh, intention or malice, but it still exists. And it does have a significant impact on us. And so I really want to dig into that a, a bit. But the third thing that I heard you say that's really critical for our audience is this. Is, is joining together with other folks and raising that awareness or being the one to say, hey, I'm willing to talk about this, are you? Because yeah. I think that sometimes we think that we are out here all by ourselves and that no one will come aboard to support us. But when we do this work, we have to have people in our community, in our, in our, um, our network, who are willing to come along with us. And so thank you for, for sharing what, what really led you to this place. But we have to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, I just want to talk a little bit more about the, the impact and, and the intention. We want to have a conversation around that. Uh, this is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. 
Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with Dismantle Racism. My guest today is Emily Williams, and we are talking about the racism that non-white women experience in the workplace. Before the break, Emily, we were talking about what brought you to the work, and you mentioned how people would tell you to focus on the intention and not the impact. I always find that it's easier for folks who are not impacted by something to say focus on the intent and not the impact. Well, there's some things that we experience in life that we can't simply say, let's look at the intention. If I go out here and someone is driving, um, you know, um, and, and maybe this isn't the best analogy, but let's say there's a drunk driver that hits me and I end up having some severe damage not just to my car, but to my body. Well, maybe their intent was not to, you know, cause this damage. But the fact of the matter is you did cause damage or or distracted driver, or not even if you're distracted. We all could be driving and something happens and we didn't intentionally mean to get in a car accident, but we do. Right. There's still an impact. Because I know somebody could be saying, yeah, but if you're driving drunk, because people can argue about whatever they want to argue about. But the idea is there are some things that we do in life that have a severe impact, even though it was not our intention. There are times that we say things to our kids or our loved ones, and we can say them, we're not intending to impact them. And then we find out years later, they're holding on. And so what I hear you saying when people say that is that there's a discounting of our experiences that we're having. So I'm wondering, based on your experience and the work that you've done, what are some of the unique experiences of non-white women that have an impact on us? Right, absolutely. Um, Well, microaggressions, for starters. Um, So I think an important statistic is that even despite the wave of statements, commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion that we've seen since 2020, despite all of that, microaggressions still have not improved for women of color since 2019, right? And so when we talk about microaggressions, it's the daily slights, prejudices, actions that communicate to women of color that they don't belong um, in a particular workplace and that they are less than the others who are there. Um, In some ways that that really shows up is being asked to demonstrate your expertise, your credentials repeatedly, right? And so there's 70% of women of color feel that they have to prove themselves over and over and over again, right? It's also things like Um, not having the support that you need to actually um, perform um, in line with your ambitions, right? So 
66% of women of color don't feel like they have the sponsors or mentors that they need to help them advance in their careers, right? So it's these kinds of things um, that women of color are experiencing on a daily basis. One thing that I also see often is the diminishing of women of color's contributions, right? And that can even take the form of erasure of their contributions. They can also take the form of actual theft, right? Mm -hmm. Stealing a woman of color's idea, passing it off as one's own. Mm -hmm. Or I've also seen this where a woman of color will lay out an initiative that an organization really needs to take. The organization will agree with her, but then they'll assign someone else to actually implement that that um, initiative. Mm-hmm. So these are the kinds of things, the kinds of everyday racism that women of color are experiencing at work mm. routinely. And 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 I love that you're pointing that out because you know I think people do it and they do it so naturally that they aren't even aware that they're doing it. And I and when you say having to prove our expertise, having to prove that, yes, I can do this work. I've been doing this work. Assign me to this project or whatever the case may be. I think that one of the the things that I often offer people is to ask when you're making a decision about who you're getting to lead this project, kind of ask, why am I making this decision for this person and not this person? Does race have anything to do with it? And it has to be a question that we are not afraid to ask ourselves, right? Because you're giving some really, really good examples of how it shows up at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also to even take it a step further, I think that companies really need to um, add diversity, equity, and inclusion metrics um, to how leaders are actually being evaluated. Um, I think, you know, we live in a world where incentive works to move people, right? And so I think that that has to become a standard in our modern workplaces. At the same time, I think we have to really um, expand our definitions of what leadership is what that looks like, right? Because, um, you know, someone's stereotypes, someone's prejudice, I mean, that really will filter, um, you know, that provides a lens through which they see women of color in the workplace. Um, And Harvard Business Review just um, did a report about how the angry Black woman stereotype is very much alive in workplaces today. I'm so so glad that you're mentioning that. So Mm -hmm. talk Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that, because I was thinking this when you were talking, how when we speak, they'll say, why are you being so uh, aggressive? So say more about that. Yeah, well, I think one really striking way in which that manifests is that when women of color speak up about DEI issues, um, there's often some kind of negative impact, right? They may experience retaliation. Um, There's research that shows that when women of color take on DEI positions or when they speak honestly and openly about the situation of uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion in a particular workplace, that um, it's not um, too far off that they will then actually exit the organization. Mm. And I think that that relates to the angry Black woman stereotype in that it's perceived as a threat, right? You know, mm. one thing that I think is really interesting, when I tell people what I do, right, that I coach women of color to overcome microaggressions and experience psychological safety at work. You know, I haven't encountered a single person, woman of color or non-woman of color, who has denied that that's a problem, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. people know, people can see it, but whether or not people will act on it is something different, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, um, because of, you know, the black, angry black woman stereotype, it can be perceived as a threat, right? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, if we're really talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, right, we're also talking about having to really make significant changes to the workplace, right? 
Yes. And, and we're also talking about people having to take a look at themselves so that they can understand how they are projecting that just because a woman of color speaks up, it doesn't mean that she's angry. And we also present differently. I talk and I move my hands a lot when I talk. Yeah. I'm expressive yeah. when I talk. Yeah. I'm passionate when I talk. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm angry. Right. There's a difference between when I'm angry and I'm not. And what's so interesting is that if we understood one another better cross-culturally and, and, and race across racial differences, we would understand when someone is angry and there's a need to feel threatened. So there have been instances where I've seen a person, a Black person talk, for instance, and they could be speaking very passionately. I don't feel threatened at all. And the white right. person who's with me will feel threatened. Right. So right. check out what, what, is, what is in this person that's making you feel threatened right now, which is why we have some of the difficulties we have, even around when it gets to uh, police brutality or police being very quick to shoot. We're not trained to see one another differently and in the ways in which we show up. And often women will experience um, people saying, well, why are you being so, uh, uh, why are you attacking me? Why yeah. are you attacking me is a mm -hmm. common thing. I'm very curious yeah. though, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because your work is centered on helping women of color feel safe, Mm -hmm. um, and I know we're going to have to take a quick break in a minute. I, after we come back from the break, I really want to hear, because this is a twofold conversation. This is really about what the workplace can do to yeah. change uh, their behaviors, to help women of color feel uh, more safe um, and secure at work. But I imagine your work must be difficult too to convince women of color got to speak up because there's a secure financial security. If I speak okay. up, I will lose my job. And then, so I would really love to um, just expand upon that a little bit when we come back to see, to see what have been some of the challenges with that. And then what do you, what do you really do? And then a little bit later to keep, uh, to have a little bit more conversation about what mm. leaders and organizations should do in order to create that safe space. So we are actually going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day.
We're back with Emily Williams, and we have been talking about some of the experiences of women of color in the workplace uh, when we have been discriminated against. And Emily, before the break, we were talking about creating this psychological safety for women of color. And, And in particular, we were talking about when folks see us as the angry Black woman. And I know that the work that you do is around helping women of color really to be vocal about their experiences and what's happening to them. But there's also the risk. When we do, you quote it right before the break, uh, Harvard Review's study that they had done in terms of once women speak up, then we notice that there's an exit. So tell me, how do you help women to get past that fear? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, recognizing the harm that they're actually experiencing, right? So many of us have been taught when it comes to microaggressions, you know, don't let somebody else's comment hurt you. Like, just forget it, right? Well, we've actually learned that um, microaggressions can be more impactful to Black women than overt racial slurs, right? So there is harm that's associated. And, you know, the thing is about the way that women of color are so often treated in organizations is that it's a pattern of treatment over a period of time, right? Which can then become harassment. Um, And so, you know, when we look at it that way, um, that's when we start to see that the microaggressions really do have a pretty significant impact on us. Increases in anxiety, depression, right? Because if we've raised an issue and we didn't get um, you know, an adequate response within the organization that created consequences for the person who was harassing us, um, and it doesn't seem that it's there's any way for it to stop, right? That can then contribute to depression because we feel like, well. Um, what are we going to do, right? This workplace is intolerable, yet it still is part of my livelihood. And it's Mm -hmm. just not as easy for everyone to be able to just up and leave their job the Mm -hmm. moment that they realize that they're experiencing harassment. So really we start there and say, okay, but let's look at like how this is harming you, right? Mm -hmm. And is staying silent, is taking no action worth what this environment is doing to your health, right? So that's one question. The Mm -hmm. second question is, do you want anyone else to experience the things that you have experienced, right? And every single client that I work with has always said no, right? And so those things then become motivators to say, hey, listen, like this, I can't stand for this. Mm -hmm. So I will take action. I will speak up. And then, you know, it's something pretty remarkable in the process, right? When we start with how we've been impacted, when we trust ourselves and we stand up for what we believe in, what we know will have a positive impact on others, then we really begin to feel our power in the situation, right? And then when women feel that, um, that builds momentum, right? Mm -hmm. So it builds momentum, within the organization, but I would imagine that it builds uh, a sense of empowerment that if I lose my job, I'll find another one because I don't have to take, I don't have to take what's being given to me. Do you find that in the work that you do? Absolutely. Absolutely. When women, um, you know, sort of take on this process of speaking up and advocating for themselves and others, more often than not, they are then transitioning into roles where they are making more money, where their job responsibilities have increased. It's an effective promotion. Um, And many women feel the power to go out and finally start their business, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is, um, it can be a confidence building process. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is the thing is that so many of us, you know, we care about diversity, equity, and inclusion because we've been living, you know, in workplaces where there's been a lack of it, right? And so, um, you know, oftentimes when women are speaking up about their own experiences, it then does create that momentum for an organization or for a workplace to take up their diversity, equity, and inclusion in a different way, right? And in a more impactful way in many cases. 
Mm. So Emily, I have uh, two questions. We'll probably only get to into one before the break, but I'm doing it while I'm thinking about it here. So one, I want to dig just a little bit more into the microaggressions if we could. Mm-hmm. And then two, this, is this question around diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I try to be very distinct about saying racial equity, because I find mm-hmm. that we want to just lump it all in. And we think mm-hmm. that we've dealt with the problems of racism when we've dealt with some of the other things, but quite often people of color are still always getting the short end of the stick. So even if you think about there have been some things with the civil rights movement, that there have been other groups of people who've benefited in ways well beyond what Black people have benefited from. So let's tackle that just the the microaggression, if we could, just for a moment. And I'd love your thoughts, because you do this work on on diversity, equity, inclusion, to see what you've seen in your uh, experience. But with the microaggressions, so you mentioned harassment, like how all of these things add up mm-hmm. and how it impacts the body. But I want our audience to, to have like a clearer understanding around harassment doesn't have to be something major and big. It, it, the microaggressions could be things like walking into a room and no one speaking to you. You know, they were talking before you came in the room and then they stopped talking, for instance, or you pass them in the hallway or you don't get invited to a meeting, right? Those things are microaggressions that people may not be aware of and that impacts the body or uh, even questions uh, when people say things like, um, oh, uh, your child got into such and such school. Or do you mean the Harvard? You know, you go, when you say Harvard, you mean the Harvard? You know, those are things because people are not expecting a person of color to do those things. That's a microaggression. And I think it's really important for Mm -hmm. our audience to understand that there are things that are said to people of color in the workplace, even just in normal day-to-day conversations that are microaggressions. When people, again, you mentioned this, question your expertise or question that you own your home versus renting your home. All of these things that chip away at you every single day, right? Or, oh, you two, you you have the same parents? All of you and your siblings have the same parents? I mean, these are the crazy things. I'm I'm like recalling things that people have said to me, you know, when I say I come from a large family. And they're mm-hmm. like, you all have the same mother and father, you know? And I'll say, yes, some black people do have the same mother. Right. 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 Know? right. And, and that doesn't mean that they're intending to say something racist, but right. you kind of are, you know, when there's yeah. that question, right? right? So would you, what would you say about those types of microaggressions? They're not harassment, mm-hmm. but in my mm-hmm. understanding, I think they have an impact, mm-hmm. but I'd love to hear mm-hmm. what what your thoughts mm-hmm. are about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And that's a great question because there are different levels of microaggressions. Um, and I actually, I just sent out, um, I shared some advice about this in, in my newsletter last week. Um, and if I have good rapport with someone um, and they ask me a question such as that, right? Like, oh, what do you mean you and all of your siblings have the same mother and father? Um, you know, I really do not hesitate to say like, wow, that's really offensive. You know, mm-hmm. um, and often then I will say something like, I, I actually don't feel comfortable answering that question. I'm sure there's another way that you can find out, right? Mm-hmm. Because what I, what, I, what I really don't want is I don't want us as women of color, as people of color to have to bear that burden yeah. to like put our feelings aside to then educate someone else on really, you know, in this day and age with all of the emphasis in awareness building around diversity, equity, and inclusion, like at a minimum, everyone needs to be able to check their stereotypes and their biases, right? And so I don't, I don't need to put my feelings aside. I don't need to diminish the impact on me 
so that to educate someone else, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and so that's what I also encourage other women of color and other people of color to do is that it's, it's okay to say that wasn't appropriate. That made mm-hmm. me feel uncomfortable and I won't respond to it. You know? mm, I love that. So you, the women that you work with, you give, it seems like you're giving them some language to use mm-hmm. when they're engaged in conversation mm-hmm. and you're, you're teaching them how to set a boundary for themselves. Yep. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And you know, it's easy in those kinds of situations, right? It becomes more difficult when the microaggression is that you have a supervisor or a colleague who repeatedly leaves you off of emails that contain information that you need to do your work, yes. right? Yes. So now that's a different level of a microaggression, right? And I think that that becomes something that... um is more difficult for organizations to also acknowledge and deal with appropriately, right? Mm. So, oh, oh, continue, because I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you how you help women to deal with that and still feel safe if they're being left out of the mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, first things first, we have to name it, right? Because we can't solve problems that Um, we don't know exist and that there's not an awareness that they exist, right? And that's oftentimes the first thing that a supervisor, supervisor will say, well, we didn't know that that was happening. Well, first things first, we have to name it, right? And it can be very different, right? It's, It's difficult to give broad advice because a woman that, you know, our work experiences are so specific, right? The power dynamics in a particular place are very specific. The treatment from a manager to an employee can be very different. Um, But I think the first thing in terms of like a foundation for psychological safety for women of color who are in toxic working environments is to absolutely trust yourself. Yeah. right? We yeah. cannot go wrong when we trust ourselves, okay? Mm-hmm. And then that is what creates a barrier um, if we encounter gaslighting when we report to HR, right? Mm-hmm. Or if we're just dismissed, right? Or if our ideas are stolen, at least we can say, wait, but I know that that happened, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. that's the first, that's the foundation mm-hmm. for psychological safety for women of color, right? And that. Um, is even before we get to, you know, what the organization um, should really be doing to create psychological safety for women of color. Mm. So before we have to take a quick break, you just Mm -hmm. said the word gaslighting. Mm -hmm. So for our audience, could you just say what that might be when you go to HR? Can you Mm -hmm. just Yeah, so a basic definition of gaslighting is a response that makes you question your own reality, right? So if I were to go to HR and say, hey, listen, um, you know, this person has been leaving me off emails repeatedly, but I need to be on those emails um, because it relates to my job responsibilities. And if HR says, oh, I'm sure that was just a mistake, right? Like, okay, thanks for letting us know, you know, we'll watch it right? It's basically saying it's a dismissal, right? Or if we want to report a microaggression and we say, hey, you know, this person has been um, repeatedly, you know, microaggressive towards me. Um, And they say, oh, I'm sure that that was just a misunderstanding. You know, that person didn't mean it, right? It's like this notion that like what you're saying, what you believe to be true is not, right? There's no external validation for it. Um, mm. in that instance, right, of gaslighting. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that and giving uh, our audience an example of what that is. So um, I just want to say that in listening to you, the work that you're doing, um, you're you're helping women to recognize when these issues are occurring and how it's impacting them. They know that they feel it, but you're helping them to recognize it, but you're also validating them and making them feel heard. And that's a part of the empowerment piece. And I think you're building like this wonderful confidence uh, in women. So thank you for the work that you're doing out here. So we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I do want to address this DEI uh, issue uh, before we end today. So we'll be right back. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. 
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with Dismantle Racism, I've been talking with Emily Williams about the racism that non-white women experience uh, in the workplace. And before the break, we were talking about uh, DEI. And I think that there are times that we lump the issue of racial equity in DEI work, and it gets lost because we think that if we've been more inclusive with some groups, we've actually, we could check off the box. Say a little bit more about your experience with that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, my experience um, has been that um, it's very similar, that DEI programs, um, that they can often miss um, what is the real point, right? Or what needs to be the real work, which is difficult in many cases, right? Because all of us have to look at our privileges, the ways that we felt oppressed, and also the ways that we contribute to the oppression of others, right? In the ways that we hold up these systems of oppression. That's very difficult work, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't see many DEI programs doing that kind of work, which actually does lay the groundwork um, to create these workplaces where racial gender equity is actually modeled, right? And I think yeah. that that's why we've seen so little change since 1964, really, which is kind of the genesis of diversity, equity, and inclusion right. in the workplace, right? right. Yeah. I think one interesting thing is that, um, you know, three quarters of white employees consider themselves as allies to women of color, right? Mm -hmm. Yet they have not participated in the two main allyship actions, which would be to name bias when they see it, which mm -hmm. would also be to advocate for women of color to have um, access to opportunities that would contribute to her advancement, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that also is very telling about what our DEI programs by and large have done to date and also what they have missed, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's <laughs> interesting that you say to name bias when they see it because you can't see what you are not aware of, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to take the courses and do the hard work so that you can be able to name it. But tell me a little bit more about your services that you mm -hmm. offer. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So 95% of us as women of color agree that we need a safe space to talk about what we're experiencing and then also to develop solutions. So we have a community which is called Success And that does exactly that right? It's um, all women of color who have experienced workplace toxicity or are transitioning out of a toxic work environment. Um, And we support one another. We share solutions. We share strategies. We also share expert resources so that women are supported in accomplishing both their professional and their personal goals. Mm. And um, anyone who wants to join can go to our website, which is forwardeverglobal.com, and then they can click on the success and tab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing, yeah, and then the other thing that we offer is group coaching. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we're starting a program in April, um, and then in that cohort, we clarify actually what are women's goals, right? Even the goals that maybe have kind of fallen off the table because of challenges at work. Maybe we no longer thought it was possible. Maybe we didn't think it was realistic to start our business. But the whole purpose of the group coaching is to get in touch with our goals, clarify them, and then develop plans to accomplish them despite the everyday challenges. Mm, sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Because because what I'm imagining as you're as you're talking about this there is a difference when we enter into these spaces and we are being uplifted and we can take um, race, so to speak, off the, off the page and that we're not dealing with the racism, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like me when I went to an HBCU and I was like, oh my God, I'm here with all of these people who look like me and we have these like some similar goals, though we're very different and we didn't have to think about the the other stuff in that moment. Now I know in your work, mm-hmm. women are thinking about racism because they're there because of some of the experiences. But it yeah. sounds like it's a it's a safe environment for them to be in to process and to dream at the same time. Absolutely, absolutely. It's safe. It's affirming, and everybody there is celebrating one another's success. Right. And that's the other thing that we so often don't get to do. We don't get to celebrate our wins. Right. Because we're like waiting for the next shoe to drop. Right. Or we're processing all the microaggressions that we experience to just get to our win. Mm. Well, success and is that place where you can come focus on your wins, on your success, define success on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so I know that one of your goals is to help women of color thrive. So would you say that you're, this is the program in which you help them to do that, whether they are doing their own business or whether they're remaining in corporate, that's a built-in part of your program? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And it starts with a very similar process, clarifying the goals. And then what are the strategies that we actually need to employ to accomplish our goals? And then on top of that, we do need expert resources, right? So it can be very challenging for a woman who is in a toxic working environment and knows that she wants to go into entrepreneurship well, how do you manage that, right? Because on one hand, you're feeling so vulnerable inside your workplace that it can feel difficult to come out as an entrepreneur or to start your personal branding, right? Which is essential to a successful online business. Um, But in success and we help women navigate all of those challenges. Mm. Emily, I just so love what you're talking about and what you're doing with with the women who are in these toxic environments, because often if you're in an environment and and, and I say this even to anybody that I work with, there's always fear of stepping out into the next thing, but there are people out here who will support us and help us get to that next level because, you know, you're helping women to say, you don't have to do this alone. And so I just really want to thank you for the ways in which you are you know, showing up to encourage women to step outside of the box. You don't have to stay in the box that other people have, uh, you know, provided for you or given to you. Because here's the other thing that happens. You mentioned this very early on. Mm -hmm. You talked about what it does to our health. We will spend years of working and then once we retire or maybe don't even get to the point of retirement, we have all of these 
uh, whether it be psychological or medical or uh, mental issues that we can have, and then we're not living. And so I think what you've challenged us to do today, or encouraged by challenge, <laughs> is to really own what's happening to us and for those who are leaders to own what, what is happening to women of color in the workplace. And then you have offered to us um, a way of, of feeling supported. And so just please, if you would say the name of your business again, it will be uh, listed on our website, but can you please just tell our audience how they could work with you and learn more about you? Yes, thank you for that. So my company's name is Forward Ever Global, um, and our website is forwardeverglobal.com. The community that I mentioned is called Success and, and that is the word success, and then the and symbol. Um, and you can find the tab on our website. Also, it's best to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me there at Emily R. Williams. Thank you so much, Emily, for being a guest today and for all the work that you are doing that helps to dismantle racism. And so I'd like to um, just ask Emily if you have uh, some words of inspiration or a blessing that you could offer to our audience today. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so just know that by leaning into your humanity, that's what gives us strength and fortitude, right? So by first attuning to ourselves, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, psychologically, we can transform the things around us, right? And I just really want women to know, and particularly women of color, by making things better for you, you are making things better for everyone. So definitely embark on that journey um, and really feel your power in the process. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Emily. And thank you for being a guest today. Thank you to my listening audience. I invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest your greatness and that manifest the greatness of others. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.